The Diatribe podcast promotes unfiltered and honest conversations for people of color. These conversations are centered around real life experiences. Through storytelling, each episode encourages openness, self-love, self-care, and balance. Okay, welcome back everyone. It's another season and another episode of the Diatribe podcast and today I have someone super special here with me. It's Harpa. Hello. I wish I had like those siren noises. Like, <laughs> I'll get my husband to like add it later. <laughs> so guys, I came to Montreal to connect with her because you're here for your master's. Yes. And she's here for a short while. She's leaving soon. So I'm like, I got to come and see my girl. Mm-hmm. So here I am. And as usual, I let my guests do their own intro. No pressure. Oh my god, so much pressure. Oh my god. Also, uh, Pearly doesn't tell people beforehand that they do. Them. I actually, actually always have, so I'm, I apologize. Okay, I didn't tell okay. you. But that's okay because we're, we've just been having so much fun. It's <laughs> mind. Um, yes, I am Harpo. Um, a full name Harpreet, but I prefer Harpo. And we can actually maybe go into that later. Why I prefer Harpo and yeah. Harpreet. Um, I yeah, like Pearly mentioned, I'm at in Montreal doing uh, my master's here at McGill University. It's in education with a gender and women's studies concentration because I'm all about that girl power, girl love. Um, yep. And I get to move back to Vancouver in exactly three weeks, like from today. And I'm stoked because I love Surrey with all my heart. Yeah, you're a Surrey girl. I'm a Surrey girl. To the end. To the end. Is that a thing? Do you guys have a name for like... It's called Surrey girl, but it's oh. quite negative. Really? Yeah, it's like Surrey Jack and Surrey Girl. I've heard of Surrey Jack. I didn't know it was a bad thing because people used to call themselves that. Like, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, what was it back in, I guess it was just Instagram, but they would have it in their bio, like Surrey Jack Surrey or whatever. Jack, yeah. Like, except? It's like, it's become like a weird, racialized, like, racist, stigmatized oh. identity, I would say. Um, and so actually, that's what my master's was. Like, I started off with wanting to explore the Surrey Jack identity because Surrey really? Jack, to me, is like a form of protest masculinity. So I started off with wanting to explore um, why so many young boys were going into gangs in Surrey and why they were um, getting into gang-affiliated activities, shooting each other up, dying, because I don't know if you know, there was like so many homicidal shootings mm-hmm. that were happening in Surrey for a long time. Um, so that's what I came here originally to do. It's, it's transformed now. Now I want to look at more broadly like a second-generation bicultural identity because I right. felt like... Um, there were so many issues and things that were coming up for me when I was doing research on Surrey Jack single masculinity that I was like, I need to broaden this so that I can do more stuff. Wow. And is it okay if you like just casually say like, yeah, I'm talking about Surrey Jacks. Is that fine? Is that socially acceptable for like brown people, I guess. Well, I feel like I'm reclaiming Surrey Jack as an identity because for me, okay. So when I was in grade 11, I dressed up as a Surrey Jack for Halloween and it was like, (laughs) what is that? Yeah, please. (laughs) Can we post it? Yeah, you can post it. I'll send it to you. I have like a couple and I've cropped my friends out because I've used it so many times. I've had to like blur the faces. But essentially it was like we were wearing Ferrari jackets. We were wearing, like I was wearing my dad's like fake Louis Vuitton merch. Oh, shit. And I wore like Adidas track pants. All stuff borrowed from like my brother and cousins. And we like walked through the halls like just like spraying ourselves with axe. That sounds like, it sounds pretty gangster though. It is. What's it like in Surrey? Like is it, okay, so I'm just, I'm not from the west coast i've been there once but obviously i didn't get the full cultural experiences so i can't speak on it but i saw biba boys yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is like not accurate but whatever obviously it's like technically a bollywood movie i would say so it's super dramatic yeah. but 
can you give us kind of an idea of what it's like? I'm very much aware of the violence and gang violence mm. and stuff there and like young boys being recruited. What the fuck is going on in Surrey with that? I think it's interesting because Surrey is different than a lot of other parts of Canada mm-hmm. um, in that like brown people have been in Surrey and like not Surrey, I would say like the West Coast for like ages because it was just like geographically and the way that um, the colonies worked back then, like brown people showed up to Canada like really, really early and right. they all settled in the West Coast, right. like up in the interior. And so our, our um, families have been there for a long time. And so it's like a weird thing because some families feel like they need to really maintain the the uh, culture and then some families feel like they don't really need to because there's so many brown people and that's the one question everybody always asks too is like why does this happen only in Surrey and it doesn't happen in Toronto it doesn't happen in other parts of the world why are there so many boys in Surrey who go into gangs and in Vancouver and etc um I don't know I feel like there's just like a really big disconnect I think like because the community has been there for so long everyone has felt like we don't really need to pay attention to our kids as much we don't need to guide them in a certain way we don't really have to work hard at them maintaining their culture because everywhere you look like I was saying to you earlier you go to the grocery store and you can walk into an aisle and look at, at the top of the aisle and you'll read in Punjabi what's in that that's aisle that's wild right you can go to the hospital and there's signs in Punjabi on the wall so because we see our culture reflected so much in our society we think we don't really have to teach our kids as much what it means to be Punjabi or what the values are, you right. know. So I think there's such a big disconnect. We just really don't know sometimes what it means to be a bicultural identity. Right. It's kind of it's kind of like religion too, right? Like if you really look into the Sikh religion, I think it's so beautiful. It so has a beautiful. lot of. It's so spiritual. It's very spiritual. It, I think Guru Nanak went. So he's the founder of our religion for the listeners. Um, shout out to Guru Nanak. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was originally Hindu, and he took a lot of the teachings from the Hindu culture and the Buddhist, uh, sorry, religion, and mm-hmm. from the buddhist religion and i feel like our identities as like brown canadians kind of totally get misdrewed just like our religion has been and we interpret it in different ways and we kind of focus more on like i can honestly say uh, when i was younger i totally dived into the jati scene and like you know like i remember everybody in our family had like kanda stickers at one point and of course like it's something to be proud of and whatnot but we had no idea what the fuck we were representing we were just representing it in a sense of kind of like being this gang of people and like you see a Sikh you salute a Sikh you see Mm -hmm. a Sikh salute a Sikh kind of thing and wow it's so interesting to hear that and do you feel safe like in your in Surrey like what's it like and people outside of Surrey like I've met a few brown people out here in Montreal this past semester and um they're like they're like, it must be so unsafe in Surrey. And I'm like, well, not really. Like, yeah, honestly, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, shootings happen on my street, behind my street. There wow. used to be a park down the street from where I live. They used to dump dead bodies there. I still feel safe. And you live in, like, a nice neighborhood, right? I live in right? a nice neighborhood. <laughs> like, it's not bad. But it's just, I don't know. It's just, I think when you live without outside of it, like, that happens, right? Like, people will misconstrue what the neighborhood's actually like. They'll just think it's really unsafe. It's, like, not a good place to be. But you're right. like, you know what? I grew up here. I've never actually heard a gunshot in my life. I haven't. I'm 23. I've never heard an actual gunshot. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord, right? <laughs> but um, it's just, it's just. I feel like it's also um, sensationalized a lot in the media because mm. why wouldn't it be? Look at these crazy brown people in Surrey. Stay away from Surrey. They're all crazy. They, they, they have guns. And, and that's crazy. another way to keep minorities together. 100%. And everybody it's else always out. political. It's always social. There's always a reason for it. And mind you, like a lot of the people that are doing these things come from really affluent families. Yeah, I can. Yeah. So something funny I never understood, and this is not in any way to throw shade, but I find a lot of brown people are all about this gangster life, mm. or like you know hood life or whatever but like 
they're not from that. I and I when I was younger, I definitely felt resentful because I would see these people like dressing the way I dress and dressing the way like you know people around me dress. But I'm like, I live in a poor neighborhood. I don't live in a house with my parents. Yeah. So like, where does this identity come from? And and I say that to ask. You recently went to Toronto, and I'm sure you've been there many times before. Well, to uh, two times now I've been in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, this year. you're a West Coast girl. You're not from yeah. these ends, so it's not no. easy for you to just come to. So what was it like? Did you get to experience Brampton and Mississauga? I did. I did. Oh, and I was shit. Like, so, like, ever since I've been out in Montreal, like, this concept of home has been really interesting to me. So I'm always trying to find, like, a home mm-hmm. out here. So I, that's why I feel like I also really love going to Toronto. Perhaps if I was in Vancouver, I wouldn't necessarily be as interested by Toronto. But when I went, I did go to Mississauga. Like, my friend and I went, but we just went out to the outlets. That's it. Right. So we didn't get to explore. And also, I didn't have as much time to do it. But right. a part of me is always like, I want to go to Brampton and I want to go to Saga and I want to see what it's like, you know? And it was really interesting because I would see more um, diaspora kids, like brown kids out in downtown um, Toronto. And I just felt lots. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's me. My people. Up there. It's nice. I find the older I got, I was always uh, like exposed to people of color and whatnot. But the older I got, I just find like you said a sense of home mm-hmm. because especially becoming a mom and stuff I yeah. it was hard for me to identify with people and like just the way me and Harpo just met guys like we just met in person right now <laughs> and at her door we're just talking like we've seen each other a million times and yeah. we just came right in she's making me tea we're drinking wine now by the way so if this gets out of hand towards <laughs> the <why>. end um <laughs> but what was I gonna say um we just find like like up and up on yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a comfort in that. Yeah. And I'm a lot more open and receptive to it now yeah. as, as a 23-year-old than perhaps I was as, like, 17. Why 18. do you think is that? I don't know. I feel like you go through life and you realize, like, you know, you got to start. Like, and I hate to say that because it's, like, I have some friends who are, like, non-brown and they're great. Yeah. But mm, even then, actually, there are more people of color than they are. Right. Right? Like, non. I think there's just, like, a sense of, like, understanding. Like, I don't actually have to explain my existence to you. Um, and try to make you understand that like actually like this is the way it is like I would um, actually I posted something on Instagram recently and it was a post about reverse parenting I love that post it was such a great post right and I I specifically never even said like two brown people I said two people uh, children of immigrants yeah Um, and a friend of mine was like oh I showed it to um, a white guy in my class and he just like couldn't relate he just didn't understand so I feel like I'm at a place in my life now where it doesn't matter if you're not brown if you are brown if you're another person of color or not I don't want to have to explain my existence to you and I don't have to like I feel like you should I want to I'm more attracted to people who just get it you know so right. me and you we were sitting here we talked about so many things of like x y and z and I didn't feel like I had like a sense of judgment from you and even when you were like oh like you know like my story's so fucked up it's like I don't feel that though like, yeah when I'm talking we to just you, giggled about it and kept going we giggled. <laughs> and it's like oh my god some of those things are hella traumatic but like and we're okay. like but let me tell you all about it now yeah, yeah. and we can do that because we get it right like yeah. it's not like a poor reflection on our end of yeah. like, I'm a failure I'm, I have a shortcoming that's why x y and z has happened right it's just because it's how we are right and I love I, I was obsessed with that reverse parenting post so Harpo um I'll tag both her pages she has two Instagram pages but it's Harpo is yeah. kind of the one that you post a lot of um you know things that make you think mm-hmm. that's what I think about your post like I literally looked at that and read it and I was like oh my Someone god to me. they were like I always feel like your page stands out because it makes me think I'm not even joking I have like sometimes I've commented on your post before like I'm gonna come back and read this properly I literally mean it because I need to sit down and reprocess it and 
the reverse parenting thing, like it really got to me. And I thought of myself, I thought of so many people and I just thought of like all of us, like mm-hmm. Upney and like just the things that we had to go through and also thought of our parents who yeah. experienced the reverse parenting. Because when my mom speaks of her mom, she really speaks, um, she loves her of course and like has a great relationship with her, but there's like pure forgiveness in her tone. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what, like what happened that like, you're just constantly trying to justify things she yeah. did. That's how the conversation goes. It's mm-hmm. yeah. You know, things were like this, but because this, that, 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 and I'm like, you are totally, even in that essence, you're totally reverse parenting right. and like taking ownership of your own mom's actions. Mm-hmm. And I find I had to do the same thing with my mom mm-hmm. um, and like is a great lady in everything that she does, but really struggled with parenting and connecting as a parent yeah. because she uses her relationship with her mom as that sort of reasoning. That's like their model too also, right? They don't that's their model. Them. Whereas that's where my bitterness comes in a little bit because I'm like, well, I'm a mom and I decided to do the complete opposite, you know, but again, that's her story and it's my story and I can't compare it. But what I actually love that we didn't even mention yet is that you have a podcast as well. Cool K mm-hmm. that I'm a super fan of listening yeah. to every single episode. Oh, true fan. <laughs> and I love it because there's you, there's a couple other uh, ladies on it that are around the same age. Um, Rum and woke also she's on it, right? No, no, no. So, Koke is me, my friend Simran, and then Simran's mom. Oh, I, for yeah, some reason, I, Ramnik is her name, right? Ramnik. Okay. I thought she was on it. Everyone always thinks that, though. Like, it's so funny. She, I know she does her own thing, and she's incredible she as well. Incredible. I, for some reason, I thought she was on she it. She comes up in all of my conversations, and I just, I beam with pride. <laughs> Every time. I don't have a single ounce of like, what the fuck? Why are you talking about Remy Wilk? Right thank now? God, because oh. they got it in comment on something of hers. Like, oh, I loved your okay <laughs> episode. She was like, bitch, what Wait, the hell? We're quite similar. Yeah. Like, our approaches are different, but we're quite similar. I so love that. Sense. But you have um, an auntie on that yeah. kind of has these conversations with you guys as well. Mm-hmm. And every time you guys sit down, there's a certain topic that you cover. And it's so... I don't know, just like thought provoking and like it engages. Like I will list literally listen to it with my husband. Like he's probably listened to every episode as well. And we'll like pause it and we'll start talking about something. And then we'll be like, okay, let's keep listening. Like yeah. it's so engaging. How did you guys even come about putting this together? And how did you get your aunt on board? She seems super open-minded, of she course. Is, yeah. but. So um, I actually became friends with Simran through my cousin. So my cousin was friends with Simran. And then um, that always ends up happening. Like, you know, like yeah. I always like I always become friends with my cousin's friends. Yeah. Not the other way around, oddly enough. Maybe I'm just too social. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I know Harpo and I talked about that. We can like... <laughs> hang out with anybody. anybody like I just met my aunt who was like at her job and then I came to Harpo and like yeah. two completely different people but anyways my mom always jokes she goes which means like she just like walk on the street and make a friend my my mom would say that about me too and like it was actually one of her compliments to me she's like you're the only girl I know who would like willingly travel to like a bougie place and then you would go to like sleep at somebody's house who lives in the slums and I'm like worried sick about you but then you come back alive and I'm like I can just kick it with anybody yeah that's a good trait I find like everybody has a story and it's not just that I want their story or whatever Mm -hmm. but everybody can relate on some level And I don't know, it's just nice to appreciate each other so, on that okay, way. So, okay, before I answer the Kolke part, but the reason why I do Tarpo and I talk about my narr- like my own narrative is because regardless of what we like what we have and what we um like what we have in our life in terms of like 
right. what privileges we have, what we don't have. If you strip it back down to the experiences, so many of us can relate to each it's other. It's true. Like you and I sitting here talking about some of the things that we've experienced, like we're such different contexts and such different upbringings, but so many of our experiences across the board yeah. align, you know, and that's kind that's of true. why I do that. Um, but the reason behind Kolke was, so yeah, I became friends with Simran through my cousin and we were just hanging out at our house, like as always. Um, her mom is, so Nimrathanti is her mom. And so Nimrathanti is a life coach. She's had like a great life in terms of like, she's a life coach. Like she's like, um, and I, like maybe I shouldn't describe her this way, but she's like the kind of woman that like, just like doesn't give a shit. Like she's so quirky. She's so weird. She's so cool. Um, like she's also like divorced. So like went against the the norms. Yeah. And so she always used to come and hang around us. And then, so she came up to me and was like, and she is like, I feel like me and her are very alike. Like she'd get along with us. Nice. She's like 50, but also I feel like I see myself in her so yeah. much. And she was like, I want to do something, you know, I really just want to like, Harpo, like, let's do something. I want to like push the envelope and I want to do something great. So it was initially just going to be me and her. And I really wanted to call it Harpo and Undie, but oh. we were like, let's not stereotype her as an Undie because she's not really like a typical <laughs> Yeah. Undie. And although that seems catchy, but like, she's really not like your convert, you know, like some undies, you have to change the way yeah. you speak around them and not necessarily that they, you know, in a, in a bad way or whatever, but mm. you just have to slow it down or whatever. Your conversation with her, like when you guys are every episode, it just flows so well. She's so wise. Like yeah. She has so much life experience and she, she's done so much self work and such self awareness that, um, it's interesting because we were like we both we all didn't know what we wanted to have in terms of like the the podcast itself right so we didn't have a concept of Nipani but we did know that we each wanted to bridge this generational gap between her generation my generation um so that's kind of what we did and we titled it Kolke we sat down and we were like we want a Punjabi word we want it to be about open conversations and I was like what about Kolke and that's that that's how it started and her, her daughter joined on because um, Auntie and I can be very extreme and or radical sometimes in our um, respective opinions, right? Like sometimes she can have a very radical opinion, I can. And it's interesting because we, when we bring Simran into the conversation, anybody who listens can resonate with each, any one of us. Right. And that's why there's three of us. Right. Oh my God. There's three of you guys. Okay. Sometimes I'm trying to figure out who's who. I always know who your voice is. <laughs> I love that. And like, yeah. so you guys just got together and started doing that. And what I love is that you maintain the consistency. And mm-hmm. I know firsthand how hard it is to put out like a body of work on a consistent basis um how has it been for you recording while you're in montreal and are they all over there in vancouver Vancouver. okay i keep saying all because i'm thinking of ramnik yeah shout out to robin woke um it's been interesting because we started in january so i was um we did record a few episodes while i was back in december so we went live in january but you know, I'm like that in general. Like, I feel like I'm very, like, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. Like, I could be, like, in the worst mental shithole, but I'm like, nah, I've still got shit to do. Like, I, I love that. High-functioning depression. I admire <laughs> that so much about you. And, like, anybody who yeah. suffers from depression and is able to do something. Yeah. That's, like, one of my weaknesses. I... And, but I realized that lately. So it's that awareness that actually is helping me. I realized that sometimes I give too much space to my depression. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, like we have our moments or whatever, or like I have a week and I like sink into it and I'll be like, you know what? I'll like give myself this whole week and next week I'll feel better. But I'm, instead of doing that, I'm just going to consciously try to do whatever I can that day to fix it, whether it's take a shower yeah. or get up and run my errands or whatever it is. Yeah. And like, we just get stuck in that. Do you have a lot of family members that suffer? from any mental issues or is mental health like a 
something that's talked about in your home? Recently, yes. Recently, okay. Yeah, I feel like, and uh, you know what the thing is? You posted this, I think it was. It was something about like how it's really hard and challenging to be that one person that changes the generational. Yeah. Like, is that one person who changes things, how things have always gone in your yeah. family, in your life, right? It's a burden. So it is a burden. And so I'm the one who has to have those conversations now. And so because of that reason, I've been able to talk more about mental health in my family. But the thing is, I've always been around very high functioning people as well. So my mm. grandma, my dad, a lot of my aunts have been very high functioning people. Um, and I think that like we talked about this in a in a South Asian mental health uh, episode on Kolke as well, that our community in general is very high functioning. Right? Yeah. So is, is it do you think everybody's high functioning, though? Or do you think a lot of us just are forced to put on this front of working through it or working hard. And I'm not saying that's you. Yeah. You genuinely are seem high-functioning. I think in a capitalist society, everybody is supposed to, right? Like, right. like you're supposed to just, like, deal with it when you come home. Go to right. work, go, wake up, go, do your eight hours, and then come home and deal with and it. Deal with it. And deal with it while trying to be with your family yeah. and friends and have your own life. Yeah, and you're, that, all that, like, that mental health and everything is relegated to the private yeah. space. Whereas, like, now in our society, we're seeing it expand, right? Like, it's, yeah. it is coming into the more public sphere. Um, but I had to be the one to have those conversations with, um, like, my dad and, like, giving labels to things like, are you depressed? Is that anxiety, right? And, like, in doing it in a very stigma, non-stigmatizing way where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, like, had, like, a really bad anxiety attack last night and, like, just putting that out there. And if everyone looks at me sideways, I'm like, I'm not going to look at you sideways. Yeah. I'm not going to make it a thing. Have you ever been judged for any of your mental issues or mental health? Um, I honestly think that they also just don't understand. Yeah. Like, they don't understand the scope of it. Like yeah. my brother kind of does understand. Cause like one time I was having an anxiety attack in my room downstairs and I called him and I was like, you need to come sit next to me right now. Yeah. And he did. Um, but if I, when I woke up the next day and I told my mom, it was like, oh, okay. Like you weren't feeling well. Okay. Like you're fine. And that's no. not a place, that's not coming from a place of like no. not loving or caring. No. It's just that they don't understand because yeah. I don't know if you know that, like if you feel this way too, but like. So many of them also experienced the same thing. Yeah. And, like, it was always just shrugged off. So they just think it's, like, until you say to someone, like, hey, that's not okay or that's not normal, that's when they're, like, oh, is it not? Yeah. There was – so it's funny you were talking about – taking up on that burden of being the one to break all these generational curses and and Mm -hmm. habits and just things that have literally come to affect our our DNA at this point. Mm -hmm. And I'm the same as you. I'm the first one in my immediate family to really do this work. And it is like soul wrenching. Like it's hard. It's getting like, it's not that it ever gets easier. I'm getting more accustomed to the lifestyle now because I'm very aware of it. Mm -hmm. But to, it's because I'm constantly triggered, right? Like, yeah. I live in the same city as my mom and whatnot and, like, love her. But, like, when I see her, there's a lot of triggers. Mm-hmm. And there's just – I mean, I'm human. I'm an, I'm an adult and I'm a human. There is a bit of resentment. Like, out of my brother, my mom, and my dad and myself, I'm the only one putting in work. Yeah. And I'm still the one being looked to for answers for, like, old issues or um, being held accountable for things that are not my issue or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. And I grew up in a household where it was very obvious that both parents struggled from various mental health issues mm-hmm. that were not addressed. I know my mom did seek mental help for depression and things like that. But I think they're both very much in denial for a lot of things. And in turn, like, my brother and I were really fucked up. Yeah. And I don't want to, like, go into that whole thing. But, like, between me and my sibling, there's so many issues there. My brother definitely more than me. But I'm the only one Mm -hmm. that owns it 
you know, took that awareness into my own hands and, and thought, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to pass it on to my daughter. I've had, my depression has been so bad at some points that I had been suicidal mm -hmm. and people are like, I was literally, I was definitely shamed and judged for it. I was told like, you have a husband, a beautiful family, you know, your life is perfect, blah, blah, blah. Why are you like this? And like making it my fault mm -hmm. where instead of trying to understand where it's coming from. And it's not that I sit around thinking, I was not thinking like, I want to die. I don't want to be near my family. I was genuinely in a mind frame where I'm like, my husband and daughter's life would actually be better without me. Mm -hmm. Of course, I like snapped out of it. Um, not snapped out of it. It took months and a lot of work and, and you know, a lot of therapy, um, medication even. But it's really hard to take on that burden. Now, with that being said, do you have these conversations with your parents where you're like, yo, I'm doing a lot of work? Or if anything triggers you, do you have anything that you can, do you tell them about it? Or are they just like, you do what you gotta do, do whatever, we're here living anyways and surviving? It's interesting because like ever since I've um, moved out, like every time, ever since I moved to Montreal, that's, I feel like that's like, that was when it all started for me. Like, okay, that was gonna be my next question for you. Yeah, like actually being aware of like, whoa, like what's going on. I started therapy for the first time when I moved out here and I have always wanted to do it, but I didn't feel like I wanted to do it at home. So I started it when I was here. Um, I went back like initially, like after I did my first year here, I went back and I was like, mm, my God, I did therapy. Now I'm back in this space and like everything is different. Like everything's the same, but it's not the same. Right. I have all this awareness. I know about my triggers and everything. And so I kept it from them for a really long time. Like I never told my parents I went to therapy and I have all this like awareness of like, um, like my childhood and like what it's like to be in this house and like, and you know, like it's not necessarily like they're bad people or like your childhood was like bad per se. It's just like other human beings trying to figure out what they're doing. Nothing's I can, perfect. Nothing's perfect. Yeah. And I can, I can say that now today in November, I couldn't have said that in March or April. Wow. Um, and so when I went back, I like remember being back in this like space where like, I was like, I had all this awareness of myself and all my triggers and my childhood wounds. And I was like, holy fuck, I can't be here. And so I did have like a huge blow up one night. I yeah. had a huge blow up. I like, um, I was in the shower and I was just like, this is too much. And I like quickly finished taking a shower, like put my clothes back on, ran to my dad. And I was like, I'm so unhappy. I was like, everything going in my life is so great and everything's perfect and it's beautiful, but I but am unhappy. so unhappy right now. And I was like, I don't know like what to do and I just like need you to be my dad and just like hold me and just like tell me it's gonna be okay and then it was like a weird emergency family was called meeting was Aww. called like in that moment yeah and like you know my grandma was there my mom was there my dad my brother and everyone was like but like in a weird way like and I don't blame them but like they thought something was wrong and like, something happened someone did something to me yeah or like something happened while I was out here um and uh it's scary like, for for brown parents for to think that like it, it's not even scary it's not even something that comes in their mind that oh this could be something unresolved from her childhood mm -hmm. they don't think like that right mm -hmm. because they're like we work so hard and give her everything so what what what's wrong with her my baby was like do you want like she was like you really wanted a gold bunk do you want me to get you that she was like let me get it for you don't worry you want it i'll get it for you tomorrow so sweet you know and it was like are you okay like do you need to see a doctor that was like the first thing and i was like listen i'm i'm like okay but like the anxiety was really bad today that I felt like I didn't want to be in my room by myself. I wanted you guys to hold me and tell yeah. you. And that's um, what anxiety is. It's irrational. You don't is. know why or what it's for. And maybe in your subconscious you do, but you just have no idea. Whatever your body is telling you you need at that moment yeah. is what you need. So you said like you called your brother down or whatever. And yeah. like, it's unexplainable. So it's so hard to yeah. explain, even translate it to well, brown thing, family the members. The thing with mine was it's like, it stems from like 
that my family dynamic it stems right. from like my parents relationship or like my relationship with my mom that's where it stems from right. and these aren't things that are going to automatically go away like I can't no. really just like wake up one day and they're poof gone right so even though and this is interesting because I've talked to a couple friends about this you can tell your parents that you feel a certain way and it's like x y and z they'll listen to you in the moment then the next day you wake up and it's back to the routine. Yeah. That happens a lot in our families and our culture. Yeah. It's like nothing happened. You know why? Because they're uncomfortable. Yeah. So they like, we, we do that with things, but not if like somebody pours their fucking heart out to us. If that's the case, the type of people we are and just how, you know, our generation has called them the next morning. Like, are you okay after our conversation yesterday? Yeah. And with our parents, it's more like, you can just wake up the next day and pretend that didn't happen. That yeah. would be great. And can you imagine how hard that is? Because if, yeah. if that's the reality of like, okay, we're not going to, we're just going to act like it never happened. But for me, I need to, I need, I need for it to have happened, right? I need for you to have to change. But if they're not the people that are going to be able to bring about that change, and I'm the one in the family that is like the bold one, the one that's going to change shit and is going to be the one to bring about that change. I have to sometimes put aside my own my own shit right to start doing that work of like putting those things into motion like no we're gonna talk about mental health we're gonna talk about x y and z but like okay we'll talk about it and then i'll go to my room and have a breakdown right right like it has to be like i have to be able to separate those two things sometimes because if i'm being overly emotional then you're gonna keep thinking something's wrong with her right i can't have that blow up again i can't have that blow up ever again in my life no you know do you and like i don't mean to ask this question because it's important but because of the topic do you see yourself having kids one day you know why I was actually gonna ask you this question because <laughs> when I was in high school and for the most part of my undergrad I was like I don't want children I would tell all my friends my friends were very surprised I was like I don't want to have kids um, <clears throat> they take away so much time and energy and like for what I want to do in my life I don't want to have a child and you're I'm, like I'm busy I'm busy I was like <laughs> I don't want that and me and you know when I started going to therapy I realized that subconsciously it was because I was like People don't know how to raise kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you raise a kid, you fuck it up, you have your own issues to deal with. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't want to fucking do that, right? Yeah. I never thought that that was the real reason. And then, ever since I started going to therapy this year, I've had a change of heart. I was like, you know what? I want to have one perfect child. I want to have one perfect <laughs> daughter. That's what I want. I still don't want it to come out of my own body. Oh, so you're scared also the first thing. Okay, okay. That's normal. That's normal. But I'm scared of it. Is like I'm gonna adopt and I'm gonna give a life and a chance to someone. You know, and you don't have to. Like it doesn't have to be something that you thrive to do. So it's good that you're like open to it, but it doesn't have to be. I was just asking because I wanted to know. You obviously don't have all the answers now, but if you were to have your own kid or adopt, whatever, like that's still your own kid. Do you think there are already things in your mind that you know you would do differently? Yes. Yeah. So my brother is actually eight years younger than I am. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's 15. That's a big uh, age gap. Yeah. I'm like his second, third parent. Sorry. Yeah. So there's so many things that I do with him and purely, I swear to God, the seeds that I planted in this child like ages ago have come to fruit sometimes now in the last yes. year or two and I'm like Whoa. He's a, so you basically like have a test child I do I have a test <laughs> child and he's great he's a great kid so there are so many things that I'm like oh my god yes I'm going to repeat that with my own child that I did with my brother yeah you know, that's funny cute story. yeah funny story. so he is 15 he's in grade 10 and he, he looks much older 
He looks like he's like. Because he's tall. Age. He's taller than you, right? Oh, he's got a huge beard. Brown boys. Yeah. <laughs> he probably got that when he was like 12. Yeah. So it was really funny. So he really wanted to go to, uh, like, he's always wanted to go to a party bus or a house party. And I was like, mm, bitch, no, I know what happens at that shit. You're not going. <laughs> and so through therapy, we talked about perhaps letting things go and letting him find out things for his own. So he went to this house party and it was with a bunch of new friends that I don't know. And he like, he's just met this past year. And so he was like, I'm going Benji. I'm going to this party. And I was like, okay, fine. Go. He calls you Benji on my heart. I was like, go to this party, whatever. Have a good time. I get like a text message the next day. And he's like, so like house parties aren't really my thing. And I'm like, Ooh, do tell. <laughs> he's That's like, so interesting. He's like, yeah, you know, like, and then he like went through all these reasons for why he felt uncomfortable yeah. at the party. And I was like, okay, so like, what do you think you're going to do next time? He's like, I don't know. He's like, if I go to the party, it's fine. Like I'll decide in the moment if I want to go, but if I feel unsafe, I'll probably leave. And I texted him. my friends in the group chat. I'm like, bitches, I'm the best parent in this world. <laughs> and then I told him, I was like, I let him come to that realization. I yeah. let him have that experience as opposed to saying, no, that's not for you. Yeah. He got to learn for himself. It's not for yeah. him. You know, and maybe it would have been for him and he would have been safe for the You gave him time. the right guidance and he followed yeah. that little Harpo voice in his ear or he his head and he was like, oh my God. And I swear, Harpo's I like, always, I'll always end every conversation, every whatever. If I drop him off somewhere, I'm like, okay, have fun, make good decisions. Yeah. I always say make good decisions. I love that. I'll never say, you do this. You're literally like a parent right now. Yeah. Like, I don't even talk to the, I mean, my daughter's only three, but <laughs> I can, like, I'm taking notes from you now. Like, okay, when I drop her off, make good decisions. How did motherhood change you, really? I'm very, because, like, for me, so I have a yeah. very, I have a very clear outline of like what I would, how I would want to raise a daughter. Right. How oh my gosh. It? So I just got chills when you asked me that. It's so funny because I wasn't always like so structured and like head on my shoulder. Like I found at your age, like how I was at your age and was not like you. Okay. <laughs> oh my, my head was like, I couldn't even tell you where my head or my ass was. Okay. I was just all over the place. Yeah. What my husband says, um, He's like, you can't tell the difference between your ass or your elbow. That's what he says. Yeah. But no, like I, it was different. My priorities were different at the time because like coming from a single, single parent household, I had to work and grind and whatnot. And, but still it's not like any of my parents fault, but I, I, we, we talked about this earlier yeah. where I was like seeking love. Like I was seeking a lot of love that I realized I lacked. So, but from a young age, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a mom like you, like yeah. with my friends, with my, every man I've dated, I've been their mother. That mm-hmm. was not my ex. It's my, it's my, it's my ex child. Like I was motherly as fuck. Um, and how I really changed when I became a mom was the big thing is like I dropped like you you're going into it thinking you want to do things a certain way and of course like some things stay but that drove me nuts Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're like me also like you kind of do things outside of the box Mm -hmm. so putting like putting motherhood in a box like just I threw that whole box out the window and I realized like how smart and intellectual of a person that I really am I doubted myself so much um and I still do sometimes I have moments where I feel like I shouldn't be taking up space here. And I think that goes hand in hand with brown girl guilt, which yeah. is something you posted yeah. also. Um, I know that the post was a little like sort of leaning towards like brown girl guilt at home with your parents, but I take your posts in a lot of different ways. Yeah, you have to. Um, and it just changed me in terms of like the type of love that I kind of realize is more genuine mm-hmm. Um, even in terms of the love I give out, like, yes, I'm saying I've mothered all my friends and stuff, but has it always been that genuine 
motherly love no it's always been like keep everybody alive and keep everybody loving me you know it's also selfish in a way too. it is very selfish i didn't realize that i was reading um all about love i think it's called by bell hooks Mm -hmm. and so much of the love that we give to other people is actually very 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 selfish. selfish yeah because we're doing it unconsciously in a way to get that kind of like love and attention back it's like i'm gonna do x y and z for you and go out of like to the ends of the earth to do this for you so that you see it and you do something back for me and that's fucked up it is really fucked up it's so manipulative too when i was like when i was uh, in my early 20s i guess like 20 to 25 i was really a people pleaser It, when I'm around certain friends, I'm loud because they like the loud, funny, pearly. Yeah. When I'm around other friends, they like the pearly that like cooks for them and like brings the best snack. Or that I've always been like, all my friends have known me as like the turn up girl. Like mm. you call me and I'm down for anything. And yeah. it was dangerous. I'm like that too. it's shit. really dangerous. I know. Like I yeah. came here and you're like, what are we doing? Where do you want to go tonight? Like yeah. any and you know, like it's we know it. Like we do it now in different ways, but yeah. even now, like. I'll be out with my husband. I'm not joking. And I'll tell him, like, don't let me get carried away. Because when I get to that level, and it's fun. Like, I'm not, like, a nasty drunk or anything by any means. I'm, like, was so fun, so much fun that I actually, like, the next day I'm, like, coming down from it. And it's really depressing. Yeah. Because I'm just, like, overpouring and being this person that I'm not supposed to be. We're our own cocaine. Like, honestly. That's literally what it is. You don't need it. I don't need it. it. But, like, well, that's the thing. Like, even in my, like, 20, like, you do this stuff when you're younger. Not everybody, but, like, you experiment with drugs and things like that. Um, And it's fun at the time. But I really was doing things to escape. Mm -hmm. And I, like, everybody knows now, like, I smoke weed. I love weed. And um, my brother-in-law and I... I don't I don't smoke weed to escape though I actually genuinely love it as a ritual and something that I use to reconnect with myself and like things around me I really learned through motherhood that I'm not all these things like I'm not naturally a loud person I'm not naturally um this turn-up goddess that I used to be I love being alone Mm -hmm. and I never ever got to realize that until I had a human being attached to me all the time who I fucking adore but even that I'm like damn it's overwhelming and my husband I love so much but even we collectively as a couple know that we're very different people and also similar so we sat down and we talked about certain things I asked him I'm like you know I learned that sometimes I'm overwhelmed by us being in the same room all the time. And so we took it upon ourselves to like have creative nights where we work on our own art together. Mm -hmm. So like I'll work on macrame and he'll be writing lyrics for his beat or raps or whatever it is. And I don't know, like it's such a multifaceted question because motherhood changes you in so many ways, not just physically, which is the obvious. Mm -hmm. I mean, not even that, like some mothers adopt or have surrogates and whatnot, but it really, really does change you. Um, mentally you reevaluate relationships mm-hmm. and not based on the other person you reevaluate how you were in certain relationships yeah. because now you're questioning how you're gonna raise this person what you're gonna teach them because really like you you follow me on instagram too and mm-hmm. like we talk about reina aside from like just what i post and like yeah. she copies everything i do yeah. i'm like her idol right now mm-hmm. and at first it's a lot of pressure but like i don't know i just i fell in love with every aspect of it Mm -hmm. I fell in love at first I'm like it's so lonely and it can be and it is for most most women I will say even for the fathers but I like dropped the victim role and I realized like wait I actually love being alone (laughs) so it's not really all lonely all the time but yeah motherhood is uh 
for you like you're constantly learning you're mm-hmm. constantly learning you're constantly changing yeah. as you grew into the young lady that you are today <laughs> how did you because we talked about this earlier yeah. about how we started viewing our mothers as like human beings yeah even you spoke about viewing your bb as a human being yeah how did that change your relationship with your mom as you got older it's really interesting because I, I felt that way with a lot of women in my life. Like okay. I felt that way with my mom, my grandma, and like a lot of my aunts in my life. Um, as, as I started becoming a woman, like leaving the girlhood behind becoming a woman, I started to see a lot of the women in my life like aside from the relationship that I held with them. And it, it gave me a lot more compassion towards them you know like give me a little more empathy towards them because there were sometimes people in my life where I was like they're okay so I I had this one relationship with um one of my aunts and growing up like I had a very like wonky relationship with her I felt like she didn't like me I felt like she Mm. was jealous she was like a bit abusive whatever and then as I I mean none of that's okay but like as an adult now as a grown woman I'm like oh my god this poor lady had so much to deal with yeah you know and so no wonder she was resentful and she was lashing out the way that she was and um so it's still not okay but you understood it's not okay but in a weird twisted way and I'm sure this can be misconstrued and I might have to go to therapy for this but it was a (laughs) weird way where I was like it's okay that it was me that she tried to take it out on because I am someone who can understand it and take it as like a part of my journey and move on with it. Whereas maybe somebody else, it would have damaged them. Maybe it would have been like a lot worse for them. Maybe they wouldn't have been able to reconcile that relationship. Now when I talk to her, I'm like, I don't even remember those things sometimes. I'm like, wow. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, Do you remember how you felt when you were younger and it was happening though? I hated her. Yeah. I hated her. Did you feel like a little heartbroken if she would slap you or what? What? However, yeah, she was abusing yeah, you. Yeah, I would. I would always be like, the, "Why the fuck is this happening to me? I just didn't understand it. I was yeah. always scared. I didn't feel safe." Yeah. But now, as an adult, like she's still in my life. She's still yeah, around. Yeah, of course. Um, but I. I mean, I, but the other thing is also like, I can set my boundaries with her now. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm like the best friend, best of friends with her, Yeah. but I can understand her. And it's really weird because when I moved, she cried a lot when I moved. Really? And I didn't expect that from her. She cried a lot when I moved and she was very upset. And even now, sometimes I see her, she'll get upset and she'll be like, oh, it's okay. You're coming home so soon. And she misses me. And I'm like, the fuck, bro? Yeah. Like, you miss me? It's such a weird mind fuck too, because I feel like a lot of like, scolding in ways that can also be traumatic and like a ab- physical abuse is all projected or like explained yeah. as it's out of love yeah but that really fucks us up in our adult years because me for example I dated people who were just like my parents like we were talking about my ex-boyfriend yeah. and he drank a lot like my dad treated me like absolute shit like verbally abused me like my mom mm-hmm. um and that's as far as the details I'd want to go on here about that. But it's it really like I really looking back on it now, I'm like, I didn't know any better. Because we when we grow up with those behaviors, we think that's normal. It it's, becomes yeah. normal. And it's such a cliche thing to say, but like you don't know any better. Yeah, you don't, you really don't. Until you start doing that internal work and yeah. you start sifting through and you like I will always say, even if you think you don't have a problem in life, go to therapy yeah go just talk because I didn't know what I wanted to talk about when I went to therapy but I was like there's something there yeah yeah you don't really know any better and when you're an adult you're like ah like the puzzle is coming together and it's dirty work like 
people who have who are in my life now who have been my life in my life for years you know beyond my teenage before my teenage years even know and probably have seen my aggressive or like wild fun loud side of me um and that was just me acting out that was me not knowing anything and like for people to be like a couple people have told me now a few people are like oh my gosh like love your energy love the way you are love the way you view things blah 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 and I'm like it's a fucking dirty road. It's it, it took me a lot of shit to get here. It took me a lot of fucking up. It took me a lot of inner things coming out and inner healing. It's not I'm not just this perfect person. Like I'm coming I'm like developing a sense of peace, but even that like you work at it every day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but people think people that you know once you connect to the spiritual side of you or you start healing your inner child that mm-hmm. you have all the answers. But I'm just as fucking confused as we all are. I'm just open and aware constantly to all these changes it's i read this post the other day my friend crab posted it on her account it's called faith love and busy and she posted a it was it was like a quote and it was like nobody understands the mourning that comes with healing or growing and i was like fuck that's it like i had been struggling for a year to put it into words and that's it right there because there is a lot of mourning that comes because it's like a mourning of like old relationships or old habits and it's like really really hard and you lose people along the way and you lose parts of yourself that you thought were you but they're really not it's part of the mask everything we're talking about by the way is from the cold cave The, the masquerade <laughs> yeah and you know okay so I, I started doing this um 10-day guided meditation and it was called finding your soul's purpose on the insight app insight timer app is what it's called and so this morning was the last day it was the 10th day mm. and it was like you get back to, you get on top of the peak and now like you've been through this journey and she's like for most of you you should have found your purpose throughout this and if you didn't like go back and start this thing again oh, and fuck. she's like if you're confused and initially when she said it i was like um i'm actually yeah i'm a little bit confused like <laughs> i did 10 days and i don't really know what my soul's purpose is yet was i supposed to have the answers yeah. i was like i'm not fucking starting again that's 10 days in a row yeah. i want to go on to the next one yeah and but by the end of it like you know she explained it and she worked through and i was like ah oh, I, I get it. I get my soul's purpose. But even that, I was like, if I'm if I'm confused initially, like it, you're right. Once you start becoming spiritual, you start healing, you start growing, it's not automatic. It's a lifelong. It is. Yeah, there'll be like times where you're like, okay, I'm Gucci for like ten days, like two weeks, I'm Gucci for like three months, but then you gotta pick it back up again. Right. You know, it happens. Right. That's the way life works. If you could we're talking a lot about like different phases of our lives mm-hmm. and how it's like a domino effect. Everything affects who we are right now and who we're going to be. Um, if you could give your teenage self advice. I love this question. And it, it doesn't have to be one piece. Like if you could go look yeah. at baby Harpo, or like mini Harpo and be like, girl, yeah, I got something to tell you. What would you tell her? Okay. So there's two parts in my life where I would say that too. Five-year-old me, that's what I've been working on, the inner child. Okay. The podcast on this and like five is a significant age. <laughs> five right? is a significant okay. age for me. Um, okay. I don't know why. I've just ballparked it at five. Okay. It could be six. It could be four. It could be something that you don't even realize. Yeah. I've just ballparked it at five. Okay. Um, five year, I, the work that I've done in the last 10 days, I, I used to say to five-year-old myself, like, you're enough you're like you're literally enough wow yeah you don't need to be any more than you need to be and that carries into who I was in as an adult yeah. I really resonated with you saying like I was I'm actually not a loud person I'm actually not an energetic person I like being alone I was that was lost to me for years I was I'm always the life of the party and I realized ever since I moved here 
fuck, I'm not. Like, sometimes I like being at home and just watching movies. Oh, my god. So, for five-year-old me, I would say I'm enough. And what I would do to the five-year-old is give undivided attention. Yes. Um, not, like, talk over, not interrupt. Inter- being interrupted yes. is a huge pet peeve of mine, and it comes from my childhood. Like, wow, really? Yeah, I've never fully been allowed to finish my sentences. Um, but to teenage self, like to teenage Harpo, I feel like a lot of my heartbreaks and friendship break heartbreaks and stuff started when I was a teenager. Um, I would honestly say that like your family is more important than your friends. Wow. I would say that to like me, like, you know, like your, and your immediate family, like your parents and your brother are more important than anybody else. Wow. Um, because I always sought to feel like, I always felt like I was seeking love, like you said, from other people outside of my immediate home. And I would, I would literally say to, um, I would say to 15 year old Harpo that like, just keep at it. You know what I mean? Like you, again, I would say you're enough. Like you don't need to have so many friends. You don't need to like be inauthentic and to like, I would, the one thing I would say, I feel like I'm like jumping from to and from, but I would say to trust your body because I do that. I, I, yeah. I I'm so in my head that I always ignore what my body's telling me. And I can think back to like a million instances where my body was like, bitch, you need to get out of here. And I never and you did it. I never did. I always stuck it out into that uncomfortable situation, relationship scenario. And right. so many times my body was acting as my compass to be like, you are not or this position, or this person, or this place, you don't belong get here, out. it's not who you are, get out, so I would say to that 15 year old, like, trust your body, girl, that's so powerful, you. it is, and it's so funny, because I asked you, and like, I'm asking you about what you, what advice you would give to yourself, imagine if you could literally go back and process that in your mind, yeah. how many situations you could have avoided, or whatever, but at the same time, it's what made you, I to have this that. awareness now, yeah. is what makes you, you know, and it, it's what makes you passionate about the things you speak about, the things you do. Because if you are now here making, you know, posting these posts that you have and like speaking about the things you speak on on the podcast, there's other brown girls out there who are confused, you know. And yeah. it, one of the reasons why I started the podcast is because I'm no shade to anybody like at all again, but I'm disappointed with our representation. 100%. Like I'm totally disappointed with our representation. Mm-hmm. My purpose is not to have like millions of thousands of followers and have books and blah, 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 whatever. I'm literally just trying to connect with whoever I connect with. Yeah. And if I change a couple people's lives, which, you know, apparently I already have, like not me, but through sharing conversations like this with other people, yeah. then I'm winning already. Because when I was younger, that's what I looked for. And it was not there. And that that's the exact same thing for me, too. Like if anybody asks me, like, what's the best thing about having it's Harpo or having a podcast? It's like not any of like, oh, this really famous person followed me or like this person shared my post or, I yeah. got, you know, 25K likes. It's not that it's like I've had girls who I either know personally or I don't know personally who are in high school who have said to me. Oh, the girl in my science class was talking about your post. She doesn't know I know you, but I overheard them talking about what you posted. And I'm like, my Sweet. girl. A friend <laughs> of mine was at school and was like, the girls behind me at the table were talking about something you tweeted. And I was like, that's the shit that matters. It's like yeah. when I was in high school, I didn't have anyone openly talking about stuff that I was experiencing. And when the young girls – I'm for me, it's really important for my page to be like an unbiased, like open to everyone. But like – I'll be very honest, like, I'm doing it for the young girls. Right. Right? The young girls, like, the 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And when they message me and then, like, like they're, like, making me feel like I'm, like, this, like, celebrity, I'm, like, yeah, this is it. Yeah, yes, girl. But it's funny that we connected because I'm a bit older than you and, like, your words resonated with me. Yeah. Your posts and your voice resonated with me. And I was, like, wow, like, 
you're, she's making me think about things, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was asking you to give like your younger self advice and you give your five-year-old self advice and your teenage self advice. How would you describe yourself as a child? Like oh, growing? Yeah. Cause we, we, that this week. <laughs> I should be, I've been told that I should be a therapist by the way. <laughs> I don't have the answers after, but I can ask the right questions. Yeah. But we, I'm asking because a lot of the things that we've spoken about kind of relate to, you know, your relationship with yourself when you're younger or your relationship with your parents and just trying to get a feel of like what your childhood was really like and yeah. how you view yourself as a child. So when I initially, when my therapist asked me that and I said all these things to her, she was like, you have a very negative um, remembrance of yourself. Damn, really? I was like, oh my God, yeah, I do. Like I, the first few words were like, I was very catty. I was bratty. I was very bossy. Nobody really liked me. Really? Those were my first words. And then working through it after that, you know, and then I realized I was like, actually, when I was growing up, I was a great leader. I was. I was always a great leader. I was very talkative. I was very well-loved. Um, I was I always that. very creative as a kid, too. Like, I used to love to dance as a kid. I used to, like, love just, like, chatting and, like, being in my dad's, like, you know, he got his, like, first camcorder, and I had, like, so many videos <laughs> of me, and I would, like, act and stuff. So I was very like, like that, that as a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, but as a kid, I was, like, really good at being, like, it's, it's like, a sad thing for me also, but I was kind of good at being alone. You know, like yeah. I would always be in a very fantasy world. Like I would, be, I, I would always be left with the TV on. And you were an only child for eight years. That's eight a pretty years. long time, right? Yeah. And I, anytime I was at my cousin's house too, she was like significantly older than I was. Mm-hmm. She was like a decade older than I was. Oh wow. So I was always by myself. So I was right. unsupervised a lot and I was a damn good kid. So it's funny when you mention like, you know, like you experiment things when you're growing up and stuff till this day, I haven't had a single drug. Wow. I've never tried it because I was always told that I was a good kid. I was a good girl. And um, it's a lot of pressure to have to maintain that. So you like were like, I gotta maintain this image. I can't fuck it up. Like can't fuck it up. I didn't even like date anybody. I didn't even get intimate with anybody until later in my life because I was always like, that's bad or that's not good for you. Like it's a bad girl thing to do. I didn't have any of that. I have no wild stories up until I was like 19. 19 is and you know why? Because it's like legal to start being wild at 19. So I don't have any of that because I was always such a good kid. Yeah. So I I held on to that for the longest time. Wow. that's it's so wild for me that we have so many things in common but we have completely different upbringings like we have a lot of similarities because of our culture and things Mm -hmm. like that but also so different like I never even thought of that like we had friends when I mentioned you know we all experimented or whatever we had some friends who just wouldn't do it and we wouldn't care yeah and you know one of them one time came to me and like I don't want to do it what everyone's doing whatever I'm like you don't have to we're not that kind of people it is what it is. I never struggled with that either. That's like, I so good. I never struggled with this thing called peer pressure. Like, I really didn't. That's so I, good. I mean, the one time I had peer pressure was, like, I really wanted bangs in grade six because everybody else <laughs> had bangs. But I was so true to myself like, as a kid, too. Like, I always knew, like, oh, that, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to do it. Like, you can't tell me otherwise. I'm not going to do it. People used to roll weed in front of me all the time as, like, 14. I and you wouldn't. I was like, I'm not going to do you it. You know what's funny about my, my story? Um... I grew up around a lot of like my dad and uncles who mm-hmm. openly did whatever drink like drinking of course and like they did drugs and things like that thinking we couldn't see but they were so inebriated that they had no idea that mm-hmm. the fucking kids are right there um but so I grew up in this culture and I was never really like curious about it I didn't grow up thinking like oh I can't wait to get out there and try 
all this stuff. Me and my friends, we actually only, I, I found I did it later. Like I did it in my mid twenties, like, you know, kind of mid twenties ish. And it was always with the same people. And like, we all knew like what was up. It wasn't a peer pressure thing, but I never felt pressured to do anything because I was exposed to it at such yeah, a young age. It was normalized for me. Yeah. That's right. So I think the first time I smoked weed was with my aunt and uncle. The first time I did mushrooms, me and my cousin left a party and this guy gave us a bag of mushrooms, like mm. literally a bag of mushrooms. And typically any other parent would be like, don't take drugs from strangers. Mm. We go home and show my uncle. He's like, oh, sick. You guys want to try it? <laughs> I'll show you how. Yeah. So my, my version of things is so funny. Like, yeah. It's so different. And then, yeah, my uncle's like, you guys want to try it? And my, like, my aunt, and who, you know, they, it was their household at the time, she, her theory was like, I'd rather you guys do, yeah. do it here. So my aunt literally showed me how to roll a spliff. And it's because one day my cousin, like, came home high from school and, like, my aunt and uncle knew. And the funny thing is, is that in our culture, drinking is more acceptable. Yeah. So they're like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, oh, I'm just drunk. They're like, so my aunt went and like got her weed and like zigzags and all that and put it in front of her and she's like roll me a spliff because mm. I can see that you're high and my cousin's like oh my god oh my god and we're like oh shit oh shit and my aunt's like if yeah. you're gonna do it do it at home yeah. because you don't know what you're gonna weed like I know it's a plant but still like you just don't know what you're gonna get out there yeah. in terms of anything so harm reduction yeah like hello and even with me and my husband we have such different uh stands on certain things because he's like that even he's haitian and white but he's like i wasn't exposed to things like that his parents smoke like chimneys like cigarettes but my dad did too so we talk about certain things you know like oh when Raina's older whatever I'm like I wouldn't care if she smoked weed my husband's like no way and I'm like I smoke like every day so what what are you saying and you know he's like it's different you know that's my baby blah 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 I don't know we just have such different views on it was there any like no, I don't want to only limit it to substance abuse, but were you exposed to anything like that? No, I wasn't really. I mean, alcohol, yes, always. It was so it was so funny because I was like, when I was like first getting into my rebellious phase of like partying like every weekend. That was how you rebelled? That's how I rebelled. Yeah. I partied when I was 20, I partied every weekend. Every freaking weekend. How did we even have the energy? I don't know. I just did. I went out every weekend and it wasn't until uh, my dad sat me down and was like, why are you treating this house like a hotel? I was like, don't even come for me right now. You're like, shit, bro. Like, don't come for me. You know, um, it was actually, it's interesting because like, I've always had a, like, I have a very open relationship with my parents when it comes to drinking and partying. Nice, yeah. Um, I told my dad, I was like, listen, people are adults now. We don't meet up at BP for pizza and drinks. We, we go to like clubs and bars yeah. and that's what I'm going to do. And I'd rather you know where I am than like you like yeah. not know. And then something happens and then yeah. it's like shitty, but it was just like, also like I was very much like, you know what, if you're going to have normalized alcohol in this household where like the men binge drink and you guys are inebriated and you're all over the place, then don't be surprised when your kids come home and they're drinking, right. you know, don't be surprised because you normalized it. If you had told me growing up the, that, the, you know, there are detrimental effects of alcohol and X, Y, and Z, then maybe perhaps I would have been able to make that decision. Or if they did it responsibly in front of you, then so. you would respect them and look to them for it. Yeah. But I know I, I had the same conversation with my dad. I'm like, bro, you threw away your whole family and you're talking to me about liquor. Like yeah. you're drunk right now. Yeah. 
I was definitely resentful. I'm like, don't even. I'm don't like, even. I, I remember, like, I remember in that moment, I probably may have cursed too. I'm like, don't even fucking try to tell me about this because you fucked up the, like, you, yeah. I don't see you for months and you show up today to try to talk to me about mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-mm. No. It's, it's the only thing that ever has happened with my dad. So my dad is, I, I often say that I, my dad is the reason that I am a feminist. I often say that and it's because he's never really held me back. He's never ever told me that I can't do X, Y, and Z. Like it's never, he's always said, I want to make you so strong that like you could take on anything in the world. And that's beautiful. But like, obviously he's like a patriarchal figure in the house. So he has his flaws, you know? And so one time he said to me, I, we just built a new house and we have a nice new bar. And I said, you know, I'm going to go buy wine. You know, I was like, I really want to buy wine. And he knows I drink, he knows I go out, but still something about going to the liquor store makes him like a little uncomfortable. And like you bringing a bottle of yeah. wine home. He's like, and he, he was like, you know, I never really thought that like my daughter would like buy wine and like go to the liquor store and like buy wine and drink wine. And I was like, did you ever think that way about your son? Is that a conversation that I was you gonna had or you. Did, it, did it cross your mind? He's like, not really. And I was like, then let's shut this conversation down right here because I know he hates it when I say that there is sexism because yeah. he's he's tried really hard his whole life not to have they inequality. They hate these terms though. But it comes up, right? And I'll be like, see dad, this is where inequality inequality comes up yeah. even when you're not trying. And then he'll like, like you know, dial it back and be like, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. That's how it goes. So no, I don't even remember what your question was. But that's I don't remember. That. I don't remember either. But <laughs> it's like, a, like I said, it's so wild how different it is and also now to hear like how different it is with you and your brother. Mm-hmm. My parents, it's so weird that they... I feel I whenever I think about my teenage years, my parents were so fucking busy with their own shit. Mm. That's why people I was very much um, like alienated a little bit from the Punjabi community because they yeah. saw us as these crazy weird people. My parent, my mom never judged me for the way that I dressed. In fact, she actually like would bully me because I grew up like really skinny mm-hmm. to the point where people thought I had like an eating disorder, but I was just naturally skinny like my mom was. Mm-hmm. And like that kind of broke my heart a bit because she was bullied for it. And then in turn, she bullied me for it. She would oh, call me yeah. toothpick in front of family members. She would like call me in the room and be like, like blowing to like yeah and I like I would wear baggy sweaters I remember my idol was Aaliyah because she wore baggy pants with tank tops so I would like do that and throw a sweater over and I my mom made fun of like you're always wearing the same sweatpants and the same hoodie and I was just so self-conscious about it and I don't remember where I'm going with this but it like taught me a lot of uh it like I felt insecure from the get with my parents so then when I got a bit older they were just so busy with their own shit so through my rebellion phase it was no, never a conversations, always just a blow up, yeah. always just a fight because they wanted to relieve their stress and it was always taken out on me and my dad wasn't really in the picture through it so it was like my mom and it created so much friction in the household where I actually got to a point where I thought of myself as just like a, a rebellious shit disturber and I'm like one day I literally would pray on it I'd be like one day me and my mom are gonna have a great relationship because I'm gonna outgrow this phase like she convinced me that I was just a shitty person yeah and then I grew up and I became resentful because I'm like no I was just a teenager figuring my shit out and you weren't there for me and I was just literally allowed to do whatever the fuck I wanted to. Well, we become what people tell us, right? If you, yeah. If you say to somebody long enough, they'll start to believe that that's what they are. That That's totally it. And like, it's hard because I had an episode with my mom mm-hmm. and the episode was recorded actually multiple times, mm-hmm. but it was easy to get like the funner answers out of her, but it was hard to get the real answers out of her. Mm-hmm. I asked her about mental and physical abuse that she inflicted and she denied it all when it was like a predominant chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
actually till I was 19 and like still the physical like still lingers on uh, sorry the mental still lingers on and I'm just like girl it's not her fault at all but I'm like a lot of things that happened in my life are a result of not having proper guidance or proper like care or like telling me don't do this because or come hang out with me instead or you know what I mean I always just like almost pushed myself into a lot of settings to look for that love like parental love or like parental guidance and just never got it so it's like also interesting to hear how you guide your brother that way Mm -hmm. because I also have a sibling but I never had that it was always it came off as how it came off from my mom as like possession and possessive it only mattered if it affected them somehow Mm -hmm. otherwise if something's hurting you then it's somehow your own fault and it's on you and it like really disturbed me and it like shook me when I when I became pregnant is when like how my therapist describes it as um you have a can of worms and the lid popped off and all the worms are just oozing out uncontrollably. And that was like a metaphor for my life right now. Mm -hmm. Do you see a therapist? I am seeing one right now. Yeah. Do your parents know? Um, so when I initially saw one, it was from January until April. So okay. I see one every week. Oh, good. Semester, and she was so great. And then when I came back to Montreal, like I didn't have time in the summertime. So when I came back to Montreal, I contacted her and I was like, I want to see you again. She was on a leave of absence. So it was like a struggle for me to try to find somebody else. And I am seeing somebody else right now, but it's just, it's just like not the same. Yeah. Um, so I am seeing a therapist right now. And now like before I like, I always kept it from them. I was like a big secret. Now yeah. I'm like, Oh, um, I can't pick up your phone right now. I'm, I'm doing therapy right now. It's funny because a lot of people that I talk to or brown girls who see a therapist, we all like hit it from our parents for a long yeah. time. I still haven't openly told my mom. Yeah. We don't have that kind of relationship anyways. But I remember one time, like it started when I was still living at home and I was like going somewhere and she's like, where are you going? I'm like, it was like 12 in the, in like on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, just somewhere. And she was like, what the fuck? But she actually in turn, um, ma- like made fun of me in, in my wedding speech about seeing a therapist. No. And I was like, oh, <gasps> and like, it was honestly awful. It was so awful. Because at my brother's wedding, it was so heartfelt. But at my wedding, like, her entire speech was just making fun of me. That's bullshit. Oh, that makes me so mad. It was it was tough. And, like, again, like, I'm not trying to throw her under the bus or whatever. But she doesn't, like, this is something that I that kind of ties in with me being the only one breaking these generational yeah. curses. Because yeah. even now, my daughter's only three. But if I even, raise, like, raise my voice or I scold her, we all do it to our kids. After I make sure, I go and tell her, like, I'm very sorry how you acted is not okay, but how I act is not okay too. But just so you know, like no other adult can fucking talk to you like that. So sorry, <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Whereas like my parents, my like I can't even speak for my dad because it just wasn't there. But any, I think there was one time I confided in my brother about an abusive relationship I was in. And he's like, it's your own fault. You must've done something. And like, this is the mentality that I grew up with, you know? And I'm like, fuck. You know, what's interesting is like also like so many times, like our parents have... My therapist was telling me this, that, like, our parents have different checklists of parenting versus, like, us having a checklist yeah. of parenting, right? Like, yeah. So, like, for them, it's like, okay, they have a roof on their head, they have food at the table, you know, I'm home in the evenings, um, they get nice clothes, they, their school's paid for it, that's the checklist, I'm a great parent. Right. And for us, it's like, mm, comes to soccer games, comes to Did you hug uh, school me? recitals, <laughs> hugs me, like, yeah. cares about me, like, you know, actually talks to listens me, feelings, to me. listens to me. Yeah. And so we, we're, we're walking around with different checklists for parenting, 
and our, because our checklist isn't being met, um, you know what, like it's really shitty, but I'm trying to come to terms with this. It's like, we just have to sometimes accept that they're never going to be what we need them to be. Right. And that's just the way it's going to be. So what right. you do is you give yourself it's like shitty like it's very isolating sometimes and you're like man like i know i'm a bad bitch i know i can do it i know i got it but like one day i just need one day where i can't do it i need somebody else yeah. to do it for me but the reality is that we're it's, sometimes it's just not gonna happen it's so true and i came to, i came to that realization when i was pregnant with rain i came to a lot of realizations when i was pregnant with my daughter yeah and it like shook my world up yeah. it shook my world up and i was like not ready but needed it you know mm-hmm. you're never ready you're never ready for it you're never ready to reveal all these things to yourself so for the last year I like I've known you this year Mm -hmm. but I feel like you've grown so much since I've since we've connected Mm -hmm. what is like one of your greatest lessons that you've learned this year there's so many I know you can name you can name more than one I want to say that it's that I'm enough and so the reason why I want to say that it's I'm enough is because that works in so many different ways um, I'm somebody who's always doing like a million things at once. Like my yeah. plate is always overflowing. Like stuff is falling off the plate. Yeah. And I'm always constantly doing that because I feel like if I don't grab this opportunity, it's going to go away and right. somebody else better is going to get it. And I've realized that I can have one to two things at a time. If it's work related, you know, like, um, like if I'm volunteering or whatever, that it's okay for me to have one or two things. And like, I'm enough with that. Yeah. And it also means like in relationships, like if I lose friendships or if I lose like someone that I was, um, like I had all these feelings for and I like really wanted to be with them and you know like we would have been great together but they're like you know what I don't want this it's okay because I'm enough and it doesn't yeah. have to it's not about me it's more so about them right you know, they were ready to take me on or they were in a place yes. in their life where they wanted to take something like this on yes um and friendships too like it's okay like I am enough like just because I don't I'm, I'm somebody who has like 600 friends you know what I mean like I stretch myself very very far but if I have just like there's just like really cheesy saying but it's like four quarters versus 100 pennies yeah if I have four quarters that's okay yeah. you know so it's just the fact that it's like you are enough and even for my myself too like I am always super hard on myself I've a very negative inner critic right like if I don't get a job or if I'm like waiting to hear back from a job I'm like why the fuck would you get it like you're not that great like you probably found somebody better and it's like okay if I didn't get that job or if I didn't get that position or like this didn't happen in my life it's okay because right. I'm still enough right I'm still great look back turn back around and see how far you've come it's more than enough and I'm I see you as this like I always tell you you're so smart you're so well spoken you got your shit going on for you and to know that like even you have that inner doubt it's normal like we're all human beings and even like you saying those things like I still like I'll be very honest I still don't believe those things about myself sometimes you're like what me no nah like I do I roll my eyes a lot when people are are complimenting me and it's because it's like yeah anybody in the world can say whatever they want about me but until I don't believe that on the inside it doesn't really matter like you can say to me I'm smart I'm cool I'm x y and z but until I don't believe that for myself I'm never gonna actually believe it so when people do compliment me I'm like oh thank you so much yeah. turn around and like the fuck no like, yeah no. Like, like what the fuck are they talking what about are they talking about me at harpo <laughs> yeah but i've been working on that you know that's I'm good really working on like being okay and accepting that like yeah i am great and no matter what i do i have people in my life who love me that's the other thing too is like i've been very cognizant of um specific kinds of love like yeah. sometimes it like it's really shitty for me like like i mentioned like to you earlier like i had a friend call me earlier in the week and just like berate me and say all these things about me and like i don't want to like you know i'm you changed up and blah 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 like you know if it's now it's going to be different blah 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 and it really bugged me and i was like thinking i'm 
fuck? Why does it bug me so much? And it comes from that people pleasing. Like I want every single person right. to like me. And now I'm like, you know what? That's one person down, but I got three other people who still love me and know me and would never say that to me. So Not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. And, and they're having to be okay with that. Exactly. Because we also talked about being people pleasers, right? And you can just drown yourself in that. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that you've, like, yeah. even though you're not 100%, you know, in that mindset already, to be aware of it is everything. Because mm-hmm. we also spoke about people lacking awareness and how that, like, really yeah. can just rock your shit and, like, really hold you back from growing. 100%. And you know what? I will honestly say, and I say this without, like, trying to be superior or better than anyone. No, yeah. I love every single person that's come into my life, whether you did me wrong. Yeah. Whether you, um, it didn't work out, whether we had a fight and now we don't talk anymore, I still love everybody because I'm like, that's huge. Everybody deserves love. And yeah. I see at the end of the day, we're all fighting battles and we have ghosts in our closet. And I'm like, I still love you because you were part of my journey, whether you knew it or not. And some people like get like really like weird with me. They're like, you're too like sensitive. You analyze too much. You make things too big of a deal than they are. But I'm like, if you cross paths with me and you help the door open for me, I'm still going to go home and be like thankful of that person. Yeah. You know, we're so very alike like, like that. We're so so alike like that and it took my husband coming into my life because I was so used to the toxic mindset of like yeah. my mom and brother constantly telling me you, you're too sensitive you're too emotional blah 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 like I've always been an empath I've always been you know people think I'm crazy but I'm t- so clairvoyant I'm so deeply connected to things and people you know I will spend a whole day like losing my mind over thinking about something and the yeah. next day somebody presents me a conversation where they're like yeah you know I was thinking of doing this and I'm like oh my god yeah I was thinking about that all day yesterday like but it took my husband giving me these like words of affirmation so it started there it always starts with like people telling you yeah, something because at the end of the day it's nice like humans we're built for human connection that's what the fuck our point is yeah aside from money and jobs and like providing for our families human connection and we're hunter gatherers that's what it's about mm-hmm. and like when I came back into that understanding, it really put my life and my purpose into perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's not to people please. 100%. It's not. And it really like when I got over that rude awakening and that shakening mm-hmm. in my soul, I started drawing people towards me again just by like embracing who I am. And it's a constant journey. We know that like till the day that I drop dead, I'm going to be like, yeah. I'm still working on it. Hopefully I'm old. But <laughs> It's so funny because I would never have um, said this publicly, but I'm going to say it today in the Jai podcast is that like, that's what I want. I want a partner. I want someone who I can cultivate a beautiful life with. And I kept saying all summer long, I'm in the mood for a husband. I kept saying that. Yeah, it is I, a mood. It's a mood. I am. I am in the mood for a husband. Not in like, oh, Oh my god let's get together let's get married right away but like i'm Ooh. done dating dumb box like i am really you know dead. what it's so dope of you to say that because yeah. it's actually so fucking cool to have a partner like partner. it's yeah. not about what people like you might be talking to a guy right now who may listen to this and be like oh my god like yeah. no she's not looking for you <laughs> okay she's not looking you for you. you you might be it right now you and you're it's cute them. right now but like you want a real partner like my husband and i the partnership that we have is of course there's flaws and problems or whatever like people whenever people tell me we're goals it actually makes me uncomfortable because I'm like (laughs) we're not goals we're not the perfect image we have the same problems you do Mm. but we love each other and make it a point like we actually like like each other and care for each other so like I said we make it a point to sit down and talk about things and we'll walk away from the conversation and I won't say tomorrow you know the next day like oh well at 6 45 p.m last month you said this because we're like yo we're fucking humans yeah. and there's like 
I was speaking about this on my dietary podcast live about like how means dictate dictate relationships these days like oh you know so the females will remember this and blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah and like yeah we will but also like we all need to stop if you're in a partnership with somebody like we need to stop holding each other accountable for stupid things yeah. you got to pick your battles yeah you got to pick your battles people ask me for advice all the time and i'm like i don't have relationship advice to give you but is this really something you want to be mad at for a month because yeah. it takes it really takes up a lot of energy for a bitch to be mad at something like for me to be mad at something for that long even like we talked about really wishing the best for old friends and stuff i genuinely have that in my heart yeah like there are people who fucking dogged me but i'm like yo these people dogged me because they admire me and they can't they they don't have they're lacking something or they're confused or they're missing something and like i can only pray and hope that they get it i pray that they gain that self-awareness always anytime someone wrongs me i'm like "Mm, i'm gonna instead of reacting i'm going to wish you the best wish you the best because you need it god knows you need it okay this is completely side note but are you a religious person you know what i never have been but my bp has been like she's been in the house she's always been hella religious did she do pot every morning yeah and everything um in the last year i've been i wouldn't say i'm like religious like i don't follow it in i mean okay yeah actually yeah i am because i'm like i don't believe that like it's just god i do believe in like the universe and cosmos and stars and shit like that but um i like a lot of the teachings of Sikhi. yeah and Buddhism. i agree with you yeah when did you were you ever religious or did you kind of like i hated it i resented it as a child like anytime they'd be like you have to go to Gordura, i'd be like no i'm sick i'm not going so i would skip uh, out all the time um I every sunday every sunday i'd be like i'm not fucking going i'm eating meat oh sorry i ate chicken on purpose yeah yeah you know um and i resented it because it was something that was being forced onto me that i didn't yeah. understand and i didn't feel like it was my thing ever since i moved here now i've been looking into it a lot more and understanding it more i'm so happy and curious about it um i don't think i'd ever go to the extent of like you know being baptized right but, um i do love it because i don't think uh sikhism requires you to be sikhi doesn't require no. you to have to do that it's just the principles that you follow yeah it's beautiful it's because like we mentioned it earlier is. it's very spiritual and it's so um based in equity and egalitarianism yeah. and like and like you know uh, equal rights and things like that like gurunanik was stressing women as are equal yeah. to men although we are inferior let's be real but um, <laughs> um I was gonna ask something else about religion but I totally forgot so like you don't now like do you ever go to the Gurdwara at all I I feel like I'll go like if I'm like oh okay so here when I was out here I was like I had this really strong desire to go to the Gurdwara out here but I never ended up going um but now I'll go I've always gone like um my mom would always make me go on, like the first day of class or like on my birthday on an auspicious occasion on an auspicious occasion but now I'm like you know what like I feel like I don't really have to go like if I'm feeling like I need a safe place I'll go yeah um but it's more so like my baby's always said God's within you and you could be anywhere in the world and like god would be at your doorstep so like i just i'll do it internally that's such a good good mentality yeah she's never made it mandatory for me to go um you know she's never said it's mandatory to go or anything like that who are do you have like i don't want to call it idols anybody you look up to in general like in general it could be celebrities it could be family members it could be i never look up to celebrities that's good yeah that's there's some good. people that i admire in general but i'm yeah. never like oh i want to be like them i have people in my life that i've met this past year that i really really look up to um a few of them like i'll name is like one of my really good friends Nimi, Nimi Chohan, she started Sahara Services. 
Just, oh yeah. Yeah, she she's just so great. Like she's taught me so much about just being a bad bitch. That's awesome. And Nubi doesn't like very many people, so Nubi likes me. And I'm that's like, huge. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's You're just, like that's my friend. That's my friend. I look up to so Nubi's one, and like I also I really look up to this person named Sidra. Sidra, so I'm gonna butcher her last name. I'm not even try it. But she's this like really good like big shot realtor but like you scrap all that down and she's like the best human being in the world that's sweet but i'll tell you straight up like the reason why pearly is in my apartment right now is because i admire brown women so much like i'm like i and maybe it has something to do with like an inadequacy of my relationship with like the 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 main brown women in my life growing up but um i love brown women so much like yeah. i love being around them and most of them i do like admire and they're my mentors but um i just i have so many i just i feel like I would, it would be a disservice to like meet with you and not yeah others, really. probably your bb too you were I talking like, about yeah, her earlier you know like i have a my eldest bua she's um like the eldest of seven kids and she's very much like me she's the eldest daughter she's had to like raise her siblings and like go into those like family and, and marriage and relationship and just like hold her own and it's really interesting because she's 60 and she's learning things now with a 60 year old that I'm learning as a 23 year old so we have a great relationship and she's someone I really admire and look up to as well that's so it's always brown women yeah I love that yeah. I I reconnected my I w- I've always been surrounded by brown women and women of color, but like I really have a high appreciation yeah. for them now because I found we were talking about, you know, coming back into finding people you can relate to. Mm-hmm. And even though we have completely different upbringings, like so many things you say resonate with me yeah. and just like anything you work on. I'm like, yes, like what, what, what is the Sahara? Is it Sahara project? Sahara services. So Sahara services. Started by Mimi, um, and I think like a few other people, I don't know who they are, but they essentially um, created like a space for um, specifically South Asian women, but anyone I think, or survivors of domestic violence and sexual mm-hmm. abuse. And it was just like services in the community and they've been around since maybe 2005 I would say wow. and so I re- I connected with um, Nimi this year and so I did do like a thing for my birthday where I was like I asked everyone to not give me a gift and donate to Sahara instead um, and it's really just like for them to um, like obviously raise awareness on people like people in the community to like hey actually this shit happens um, but like give a place for like aunties and moms and grandmas who like right. feel like they don't have a place they don't know where to go they have language barriers they go to places like Sahara and they feel supported and right. they feel like they can transition out of the shitty relationships in their lives I love that I'll also um, include their yeah. at what is that called Sahara service at their yeah, at right it's just an at that. I thought it we was like we have this like awesome new campaign it's called hashtag not my secret and it's really just like Nimi started it it was to start like um, uh, ending the stigma around keeping your stories around sexual violence like silent because sometimes we we hold on to it like I know I kept my story for like 10 12 years no eight eight to ten years I kept my story I was like I don't I forgot about it I was like I'm not gonna talk about it and we do that we do that right like our bodies forget about it and then eventually it becomes like an idea where like it's a secret I'm gonna take it to the grave so for them it's more so about talking about what happened to you so that you can um, start your journey. Wow, I should probably look into them more too. Like I, I definitely supported you when you were raising money for your. Yeah, you did. And Raina's name. Yeah. Maybe Raina. Anytime I always uh, try to donate, oh, and I always put it under Raina's name. <laughs> so beautiful. I love oh, from Raina. Um, okay, so we'll wrap up because we got things. We got a city to explore tonight, <laughs> but I, I have some like questions I want to ask before we get off here. Mm-hmm. So. 
Okay, I'll start with the more serious one before I get into the less serious ones. What was your, what was the last or biggest heartbreak you can remember? Oh! <laughs> and it doesn't have to be, like, in a relationship. Yeah. Um, I fell in love with this man when I was very young. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say I was stupid. I felt like it was a lot of, like, I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um we always do, ladies. Always follow do. your intuition. Follow your gut. Yeah, listen to your body, like I said earlier. We know everything. It took me five years to get over it. Oh, fuck. Five years. And, like, you never fully get over your first heartbreak. Like, remnants of it still stay, stay within you. Um, it was a whole saga. It was, like, a whole thing. Like, so many people in my life know about it oh. and everything. Um, I'm still really good friends with him. That's Honestly, great. I have nothing but love for him. He taught me a lot. And I still talk to him all the time. And I don't know if he's going to listen to this or not. But I don't hate you. I don't resent you. It just it is what it is. It doesn't take away I, that it was hard. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. I loved him a lot. I loved him with all my heart. Um, I did. But it, it really taught me a lot about myself. Because it taught me about my capacity to give love. And to just be sometimes walked over. Wow. Um, but we're different people now. And, I, I and how did you get, if you could uh, give our, our listeners advice on how to get over a like, Honestly, time. Heartbreak. Yeah. It's really time. And also, like I would say, like sometimes when you start dating other people, like I know there's like a negative connotation attached to like trying to use somebody to get a Boundaries or whatever, yeah. Yeah, um, that's not what it is. Like when you start dating other people and you start seeing other people, you start to realize like, if, if this is your only reference point, you start to see other people and you're like, oh, actually, that's not how it's supposed right. to be. It's supposed to be different. So I, I just threw myself into it. I would start seeing other people where, like, I would just, like, really work on myself. And, like, honestly, time. Like, yeah. five years, you get tired of it. You're like, oh, okay, you don't want to be with me? Fine. Like, it's been four years. Okay. Get over. Yeah. Yeah. Time and, like, also, like, experimenting with people. Yeah. And, and that kind of, like, it just puts you in a different environment. Yeah. So you can, you see yourself in a different light when you're, you know, yeah. connecting with other people. And you can see yourself with other people too, right? Yeah, Instead yeah. Only imagining yourself with one Exactly, because you keep going back to it. That's actually great advice. Yeah. Thank this you This is actually that. the first time that I've said that I actually, like... I wish you gave me that advice years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I've actually said openly that, that like, I do so love him and I'm so, yeah. like, not, like, in love, but, like, I have Of course. Him. You spend all this time and energy yeah. with somebody. If yeah. you don't still love them after... Yeah then you probably he's weren't still, really in love. He's still one of the only people who understands me to my core. So oh, like, so you guys are like in contact like that? Yeah, we oh. are. He's still my friend and I still wish him the best. You're the best. Oh, thanks. Okay, next question. What is the worst lie you told to get out of something? Worst lie I told? Have you ever told a lie I don't really lie. Really? I'm such a good Are you lying right now? <laughs> no, I'm definitely. I'm such a good idiot. I don't really lie. Like lie out of, you know, showing up to work or lie showing up somewhere to your for your parents mm. you lied about not wanting to go to the gurdwara you said you were sick or something yeah I was, but like i was <laughs> old, sick i can't go i don't know like i don't tell like elaborate lies. okay so you never had to scheme your way out of something no i've never had to scheme my way out of anything yeah. I'm, I'm also but like okay here's the thing i hate to say this because i i say i don't lie i'm i am a very good liar because i've learned that like you just gotta like calm down you gotta sense the person a little bit you really just gotta like play it you gotta fake it till you make it and you're oh. like oh i really didn't know it's like and just no details just like that you know, you know? oh sure okay so and as the more minimal you keep it the less your like your lie seems fake so that's i don't good. remember where i've lied a lot i can't remember I really don't remember where I Oh, I did lie once to my dad when I accidentally hit the car. Just one? You only lied to your parents once? Like, major lie was once. You really are a good Obviously, kid. I've, like, held, like, hey, I'm I'm just going out with a friend. I'm actually okay. Like, but you didn't you didn't need to make it elaborate. So you were <laughs> yeah. a good liar. I'm not a good liar. I would be like, oh, well, 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 like, I went, I was going to go do this and then that, no, and then no, somebody no. died. and. Keep but, it basic. <laughs> Keep it basic. 
No, I got that. I got this question from somewhere because I was like listening or watching something, and like the person like was like, I had to lie and say a relative died, but they didn't die. I'm like, oh my god, I've definitely maybe said like somebody's sick or something, yeah. like not even like terminally. I'll just be like, oh, they got cold, they have a cold, like. But this person's like, yeah, I said somebody died and I got out of it, and I'm like, oh my, oh my god. god. I had a hickey once, and I was like, oh, I burned myself with my finger. I don't know, it really hurts. I think know, everybody good. has said their that's hickey was a burn. Yeah, so that's a good, good, that's a good common lie. So when Raina tells you it's a burn, you'll know what it is. Oh my, Raina can't get away with shit with me. Yeah. Like I'm gonna definitely be more open, but I'm, she's gonna know like. She's gonna try to lie about something. She's like, "Fuck, my mom knows my mom everything." Yeah. But I'll also be like, "Just come sit down, have a glass of bottle of bottle of wine with me, and just tell me yeah. everything. It's fine." Yeah. I hope I can. I hope I can give her a not a judgment free environment. But I am her mom at the end of the day, right? Yeah, sure. Um. Okay. What are we leaving behind in 2019? What is something that you're not gonna take into 2020, and we're starting fresh? We're gonna leave the bullshit behind. Anything. I I want to leave my 23 years of toxic behaviors behind. I just Mm. do. I want to leave it. Like, my overthinking, my overanalyzing. You know what I'm going to leave behind? I'm going to leave giving a flying fuck behind. I give too much of a fuck about everything. Yeah. And I want to really let it go. And that, like, that's in everything. I give too much of a fuck about, like, like, you know, what people think, like, what I look like, when I'm, like, doing X, Y, and Z activity, I get too much of a fuck. I'm going to leave giving the fuck behind. Are you a Libra? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a Libra as We fuck. give too many fucks. Yeah. It's not that, like, I care what people think about me. I don't. I really don't give a shit what we people think We just give too many me. fucks. I just give too, too many fucks. I <laughs> overthink too much. Right. So I'm trying to, like, that behind. I worry more so, like, oh, my God, I said this, and I'll think about it for five weeks, and I'll yeah. tell my husband, and, like, he was in the room in the conversation. He's like, I don't remember what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that happens like, all the time. I was, like, talking to someone, and they are like, oh, well, you've been thinking about this a lot longer and deeper than I have. I didn't actually even notice. And I was like, mm, okay, that's a problem <laughs> yeah yeah do you have anything else you want to say before we end this um i just really love pearly i can't believe we just met <laughs> like three hours ago and we are like here and i feel like we've like known each other our whole life i know i'm so excited yeah. that we're doing I gonna, this i really also want to say like we were talking about this before but like i want to yeah. emphasize that okay pearly and i met on instagram and if you do anything in your life with intention and you don't just do it mindlessly it can be really beautiful mm-hmm. so if you're out there and you're like oh, i hate social media blah 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 nah dude just like use everything with intention be intentional about it and like be genuine and authentic and everything yeah you do. I, I get worried because like i have a daughter i'm like oh my god she's gonna be on social media one day but i can only hope that i like set that example and like just let her know you got to be intentional don't follow these bullshit pages that make you feel like shit about yourself yeah. and, because quite frankly that's like most pages now mm-hmm. even like family and friends that i might follow that i love i'm just like fuck the toxicity is so bad we so take it with a grain of salt yeah it's like anybody giving you unsolicited advice. That's what Instagram is. It's a yeah. whole platform of unsolicited advice and also some really refreshing content too. Yeah, you got to look out for it though. You like go out and actually seek it. And the one thing that I will say that I want to end off with is like, okay, whoever is listening, like everything that you, you've ever needed in your life or you want or, you know, you feel like you're yearning for is right there within you. Right. Everything is inside of you. You have an entire galaxy inside of you. I was actually going to get that tattooed I love on my that. arm a long time ago. It's like, um, I can't remember 
what it was, but it was like inside of you, galaxies or something like that. I love that. And that's true. Everything is inside of you. There's a whole galaxy inside of you. So always just like, you are all you need. It's so true. Thank you, Harpo, for doing this with me. Thanks, Pearly. I rolled up at her place with all my equipment. And I'm like, <laughs> here, I'm going to take it all out. And I don't. I'm not mad at you. I love it. This might be my favorite episode. Oh. That's the season opener for season two. Um, I just wanted to um, ask all the listeners, you guys should hit us up. Both of us, I'll share Harpo's pages. Let us know what you guys are leaving behind in 2019 and what, you know, you're not going to bring into 2020 based on all the conversations that we had. We talked about a lot of different things. We talked about our childhood, our teenage life and like kind of all of that trickles down into who we are today so let us know let us know what's up what you what are you sick of what are you tired of that you're not going to bring in with you to the Mm -hmm. new year because i don't necessarily believe in new year new me but i believe in any opportunity to make a big change so that means you're going to do something different and i'm not talking about going to the fucking gym okay don't want to hear that from you guys (laughs) be honest and on that note i love you guys thank you bye bye